so excited to share my very first guest episode today with fashion photographer Holly McGlynn. We recorded this in early December I think so it's been a little while since our chat but she is one of the loveliest people I have ever spoken to and has since been not only like a really good friend but really helpful to me personally within my photography business because I've had a couple times where I've had to go to her with questions about jobs and things and she's been so helpful and kind so I wanted to give her a quick shout out on that end. Holly is a um, Irish photographer from Descent who lives in London and she has a very like cheeky irreverent style that she describes herself as. Um, it's also very feminine and very feminist. She really works to um, sort of portray diversity in her portfolio and I really admire her for that. Her work is absolutely beautiful so if you're curious definitely go and have a look. I've included her link in the bio. Um, she has worked for brands like Matthew Williamson, Microsoft, Cosmo Magazine, Dorothy Perkins, um, New Look, Mulberry, loads and loads of massive brands and she's a wonderful person. Our chat was amazing. We talked about what it's like being a fashion photographer, um, especially in London in 2019-2018. We talked a lot about how it feels to be a woman in what is quite a male-dominated industry. This is a topic that um, I'm quite passionate about and if you've followed me on Instagram at all, you'll probably know that. She also talks about how she started working with bigger brands and she's got a lot of advice on like getting started in the fashion photography industry at the moment. It's a really wonderful chat, I really hope that you enjoy it. If you're listening to this on your phone and you are enjoying it, make sure to take a screenshot and share it over on your Instagram stories and tag myself at Olivia Bossert and Holly as well, I'll leave her handle in the description um, because she is a really wonderful person and I would love to share the in, the interview far and wide, so definitely go and do that. You will help us get the word out about the new podcast and about Holly's work and Holly's interview. So yeah, I'm going to let you jump right into listening. I'll speak to you on the other side. So could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Well, I'm Holly McGlynn and I am a fashion photographer. Amazing. And where do you come from? Like, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I'm from Dublin originally, and I moved to London 10 years ago. I moved to London to do an MA in photography at Goldsmiths. Yeah. And I have been here ever since. Amazing. And so I shoot main fashion editorials for magazines and campaigns for brands. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, and how did you get into fashion photography? Um, well, the focus of my MA was very much sort of fine art photography yeah, and journalism a little bit. So I worked in that for a couple of years. I would um, develop projects and then I would submit them to galleries and I would exhibit them in galleries. And I was actually represented by a contemporary art gallery in Dublin. So yeah. I uh, exhibited a lot in Dublin and exhibited in London as well. 
um, and sold quite a bit of work as well. But ultimately, I found the process quite lonely. I would sort of spend six months on my own developing a project. I'd hope the gallery would want to exhibit it and then I'd hope someone would actually want to buy it. Yeah. and actually I really like working with teams I like working to deadlines I like producing a lot of work I like making money Mm -hmm. and so I've always loved fashion and fashion photography at its best is fine art really yeah so I thought that I would uh sidestep into fashion photography so I did that I think about seven years ago now um and sort of when I was uh transitioning into fashion photography I did like all kinds of photography work along the side I did like events photography I did photojournalism yeah um, I did a couple of weddings I did sort of as much photography work as possible to um build my network improve my skills and my confidence um but I just sort of kept that on the down low while I did that and to the world it looked like I was just doing fashion photography but in fact that wasn't true at all um so what's it like being a fashion photographer in London these days I suppose I've never known being a fashion photographer anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have any basis for comparison. But it's busy. It's hectic. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's relentless. Uh, I wish I had known when I was graduating how much behind the scenes work goes into being a fashion photographer. You'll know yourself. There are endless emails, endless portfolio appointments endless retouching endless website updating there's so many business tasks involved in being a fashion photographer and I didn't know that when I was graduating and that's something I've learned sort of in the past five years or so so you know you only spend about 20% of your time taking actually taking photos and the rest of it is the retouching and the hustle that goes behind it yeah and what's your what's you say you spend your most time on when you're not shooting like what do you focus on the most um probably drumming up new business uh networking going to book appointments with my portfolio um trying to seek out new contacts that's probably what I spend most of my time doing and how do you go about sort of finding the people you want to speak to do you have any sort of direct route that you use or any database that you kind of go to how do you find the people you want to speak to I don't uh, use any of those databases like bikini lists or anything they have approached me a couple of times actually about using their services but it's Mm -hmm. not something that I have looked into just Mm -hmm. yet Um, because I'm on agency access and it's it's interesting I'm I'm I've signed up for, they had a massive Black Friday deal. <laughs> so oh, right. so right. I signed up for a year and I'm just interested to see how it works and if it's going to help or not. So I, I'm interested in what you do. Interesting. Okay, well, yeah, that might be a route that I um, go down because it's all like quite manual labor. It's yeah. lots of like identifying a brand I want to work with um, looking at the people who work for that brand on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. finding out which ad agency um, represents them, then finding out the art buyer on their account. Like it's, it takes up so much time. So probably using one of those like lists would cut out a lot of that time because they're constantly updated, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that might save me quite a lot of time, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, I might have just cost you loads of money. No, it's, well, do you know what? It, you've got to speculate to accumulate, as my mum says. You do have to spend money yes. to make money. So, and you, your time is so valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to give some background for anyone who might not know what agency access is or bikini lists or anything like that, they are basically like databases where agencies can input who the creative director is and who the art director is and you get direct name and email addresses which is amazing because it means you can yeah. go straight to the person but you do have to pay quite a lot of money yeah to they're access quite expensive these. They? yeah and I've only yeah. got like UK only um because I just couldn't fork out the amount and I don't really want to target worldwide at the moment anyway yeah so yeah, yeah. UK only was my best bet but I'm going to flip on to a different topic now in that I, I'm very interested personally in being a woman within the fashion photography industry. And because um, it does feel like it's a very male dominated industry. It is. So yeah. I want to know from your perspective, being a female fashion photographer in London, do you ever feel that kind of divide? How does that just talk about that topic? I think it's a really fascinating topic because the uh, stats for women who study photography, women far outweigh the number of men who study photography, but the industry, photography as a whole and fashion photography is overwhelmingly male dominated. So I'm not entirely sure where that drop off happens. Uh, I'm sure there's any number of reasons for it. And, you know, I've worked in photography pits. um, I've done catwalk photography. I've done event photography. I've done like red carpet photography, sort of along my journey to fashion photography. And they're really aggressive spaces. There's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of jostling. There's a lot of name calling. There's like elbows, digging the elbows. So they, they it can be a really aggressive space sometimes I don't know if that's a reason yeah maybe I don't know if the unsociable hours are a reason I don't I don't know what the reasons are but I think being a self-employed photographer you don't sort of see the um you don't have a direct sort of comparison so no. I can't really compare my experiences to a male fashion photographers because we don't work in the same spaces. It's very rare you would sort of come across another fashion photographer. In fact, one time ever, I did a shoot for a magazine and they had hired out all of the studios Mm -hmm. um, to do all of the shoots for the magazine on the one day. And so there was another photographer there shooting for the magazine. And so I met him. But that's very, very unusual for that to happen. Yeah. But in the... um, freelance and sort of self-employed space the gender pay gap is even more pronounced Mm -hmm. so it's 20 percent normally um but it's 40 percent in the self-employed world and that's because uh, I guess no one ever talks sort of about what their rates are or how much they're earning but I did have a moment of victory (laughs) and actually it's one of my career highlights really it's such it's in a way, it seems like such a small thing. Um, but I did a campaign a couple of years ago and I asked the client to send me the brief. But instead of sending me the brief, they accidentally sent me their research document for oh the campaign. My God. And so it was all of the photographer style up makeup artists that they had shortlisted. Okay. And so 
I so obviously I was like looking at the other photographers who've been shortlisted and I was the only woman on the list and I was the most expensive photographer on the list yes and next to my name it said recommended for this shoot ah. so that felt like a bit of a victory yes. I was like I'm doing something right <laughs> that's amazing well done <laughs> thank you that's yeah so I was cool. really pleased with that <laughs> yeah because uh, one thing that I have found and I think might be playing a role in the problem is the marketing of photography companies Mm -hmm. um like if you look at so many of the camera companies that are trying to sell to us the marketing is always very masculine um Mm -hmm. there's no inclusion of like women in the photo in the photos of the actual kit like Mm. i received a catalog um from a brand a couple of weeks ago and i did share this on instagram at the time of and i went through the entire thing and it was a christmas catalog and there was not a single woman featured oh my god yeah not a single one and it was all men holding cameras men with camera backpack bags men with the lenses men's hands holding the lenses and i was like where are the women and yeah the other thing that I've really noticed is a lot of the brands are also creating like colorful cameras which are for women and then like dark cameras which are for men and I even bought a camera two years ago while I was given it and when I received it the packaging said boys toys um and that really infuriated me and kind of yeah really weird and kicked me off on this kind of this rant about yeah and I I genuinely think that that is part of the problem in that a lot of women sometimes look at this marketing material and think well that's not for me it's not for me and you can't be what you can't see and that it has a really big effect if you repeatedly see um say marketing material for a camera brand and you see that it's only men in that space that is going to infiltrate into your psyche that that that's a man's world yeah yeah so I am at the moment figuring out how I can approach these companies and just say like we want to be more included and you know I'm not saying you're a bad company I think it's just the way that the cameras have been sold in the past and because it's such a male-dominated world of course they want to sell kit and who are they going to sell it to it's going to sell to men so um I think it's just a conversation that needs to be had and just almost like just remember that we're here (laughs) Yeah, Um. I think that's really interesting. And I think what is also interesting, whenever I do see women in uh, camera brand campaigns, it's like a woman taking photos for fun. It's like her hobby. Yeah. Whereas um, it's her her kids. Yes, exactly. Whereas men are represented in the professional space. Yeah. So that's an interesting topic. And I think that I want to get the conversation going and the idea of this podcast is also to be talking about that a little bit more. Good, good. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go back to like the topic of actual photography now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How did you get into working with such like high-end luxury brands? I would say this is uh, true of how I've done anything in the photography and fashion photography space and that is through my network even though London is such a massive city actually the fashion photography industry is really small and if you don't know who you want to talk to or who you want to meet then you will definitely know someone who knows that person or who can introduce you to that person Mm -hmm. and so it's all of the jobs 
uh, that I've, well, most of the jobs that I've gotten or the jobs that the luxury brands that I've worked with has all come about through my network. So I think the first luxury brand I ever worked with was Louis Vuitton. Yeah. And that was um, through my friend Ella Catliff, who is a fashion blogger, and they wanted to shoot a collaboration with her. And so I ended up shooting that collaboration. And then I think another sort of luxury brand saw that work that I did uh, and picked up on that and then wanted to work together. I think possibly that's how Tiffany came about. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Bulgari came about again through Ella and then uh, so whenever I um, did a shoot through my friend Ella I would always ask for an introduction to uh, their PR and then I would go and see that PR with my book and so I went to see the PR at Bulgari um, about doing another shoot with them and they introduced me to a contact of theirs at Fabergé And then um, that sort of extended to my work with Fabergé. And then your contacts sort of move around as well. So if you've had a good relationship with someone at one brand, then they're going to move over to another luxury brand at some point. And then they sort of open doors for you there. So I think that sort of speaks to the power of networking. It, It is fundamental to success in fashion photography, I believe and also speaks to the importance of maintaining your reputation and doing the work, showing up on time and being a nice person to work with because mm-hmm. it you know, it can be really quick to get a bad reputation and um, the industry is so small, everyone is going to hear about that. Yeah, and how, how much time a week do, would you say, or like per month do you dedicate to just networking? It feels like a really, it's organic thing so it doesn't feel like okay today I'm gonna spend an hour Mm -hmm. networking because it feels I am a sociable person so it does feel like uh, an organic sort of part of my day so I don't know if I could Mm -hmm. fill out a timesheet and tell you how much time that I spend doing it but I would say it's just sort of an integral part of my daily routine. It's just an routine, ongoing, really. yeah. Yeah, that makes absolutely. Sense. I think that's really important for people to to hear. It's like, it's not just, okay, today I'm going to network. It's like, okay, every day, how can I be making connections with people, you know, embedding those connections even deeper and further? Yeah. And I think if you're introverted, then that, that is a lot more challenging. I, I can me. really see that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't see this. Here you are doing a live video. I've a got, I've got a, like, there's a, there's a big barrier between okay. the people. So I'm, I'm on my own here. Sure. Sure. It's like, sure. It's, yeah. Okay. So that helps. Yeah. Okay. I can understand that. But, um, some really good advice I got from my mentor, um, well, a good reminder really is that you don't know where your next commission is going to come from. So it could be the person sitting opposite you on the train. Yeah. Um, so I think a really uh, good way of overcoming those hurdles if you're introverted is to have your elevator pitch ready. Mm-hmm. So just a sentence or two about who you are and what your work is about. What's so your elevator I, pitch? So my elevator pitch is that my work is feminine and feminist, bold, colorful photos that tell a story. And I'm committed to representing um, ethnicities and body types that are underrepresented in the fashion and beauty industries. Amazing. So then if you have someone 
who you want to meet or who has sort of stumbled across your path by chance, you have a reason to talk to them and you have something to say rather than thinking, oh my God, what am I going to say to them? You say, okay, this is me, this is what I'm about. And if you have a business card as well, you can just give them your business card and then you can leave if you think that's what they want or they might sort of ask you some more questions Mm -hmm. and then you can stay. You can sort of gauge that situation yourself. But an elevator pitch and business cards, I think, are great tools to have if you are introverted or extroverted either. Yeah, just just really good to have. And in terms of going to meetings with like ad agents or PRs, do you prefer to have a printed book or do you have an iPad or what's your go to? Yeah, I have a printed portfolio. Mm -hmm. I invested in one of them um, about three years ago now. And it was quite expensive. Like the prints, sort of every time you want to get a new set of prints, that's about £300. And then I think getting the actual big leather bound book was about £500. Mm. Um, But it was a really worthwhile investment, in my view, because every meeting that I've gone to since, they always say, oh, wow, a printed portfolio because I haven't seen one in so long yeah. and some of the younger sort of agents will have never seen them because they'll have been so used to just seeing iPads all the Amazing. time and I feel like they really like take the care to like look at the photos properly they sort of treat the pages with a mm. lot of respect always like oh I don't want to get it dirty do we have any gloves um whereas before if I went in like with my laptop or an iPad they'd be like yeah 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 and they'd skim through it really quickly and I think you know iPads absolutely have their place they're so handy they're so light and it's so easy to tailor your portfolio depending Mm -hmm. on who you're going to see but I think there really is a case for the printed portfolio I think it does make you memorable and how many images do you include in your portfolio I have about 30 in my okay. portfolio and I I think that's a little bit of a sweet spot yeah I think cool. um any more than that and people sort of get image fatigue yeah. uh and they can just sort of start uh, skimming through them quite quickly and I have to say I go to portfolio um appointments and they'll look at the first 10 images and they'll be like okay great yeah sure. <laughs> we, they're either not interested or they have already understood who you are from those first 10 images mm-hmm. so I think less is more it should be your very best work even if you're starting out and you only have like five images that are strong I think that's okay mm-hmm. that's really it's good much advice better to have strong images than because one image can drag down the strength of your portfolio and that's the image that people remember they might be like oh this is brilliant this is brilliant this is brilliant and then they'll see one image that is weaker and think oh and that's what they remember yeah annoying and how how did you go about choosing those images? Because that's one thing that's so hard is we're so close to our work and it's so hard to detach emotionally from, oh, I just really enjoyed that day or I I think that's a great shot. But then how do you know what's a great shot and what's not? Well, what I do is I pay a photography consultant to to work with on that. And I like to believe that I go into that with a really open mind and I sort of take, their advice and I uh, aim to be as objective as possible and sort of unattached to my work as possible um, because you can't do it yourself and Mm -hmm. so if you don't um, have the funds to go and see a consultant then get advice from your peers other photographers that you might know friends who sort of work in the creative or the fashion spheres and yeah just try not to be too emotionally invested in it because you might think a photo is great but to other people if they don't think it's strong you really need to take that on board Mm. and where do you find your consultant like how do you go about finding those people 
So this is one of the many, many reasons I'm so upset about the Brexit um, is because about four, four or five years ago, I got on to an EU funded professional development program for mm -hmm. photographers. So it was to help photographers sort of launch the business side of their careers. And so there were marketing workshops, there were portfolio workshops, um, there were uh, lighting workshops, retouching workshops. It was a, this amazing funded, completely funded wow. program to launch a career in photography. And I learned so much. And I think it was at that point that I really realized I needed to treat my career like running a business. And through that amazing EU-funded program, <laughs> I met a woman called Zoe Wishaw, who used to work at Getty Images, and she's now a photography consultant. And so she did a workshop with us on choosing photos for your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I really, I need to do this more. And so I've uh, been going to see her twice a year for the past uh, four or five years. Amazing. And so that's how I try and keep my portfolio really fresh and really strongly edited. Yeah, that's really good advice and actually something that I'm looking into doing myself. So that's really interesting and good to know yeah. for everyone else as well. Like it's it's not it's not a bad thing to need that outside help. I think sometimes Absolutely people not. feel no. I think sometimes people feel like they have to be able to do it all on their own. No, whereas this is something that it really it's going to actually be difficult for you to do it on your own. Absolutely. And, you, you know, you don't have time to do everything by yourself either. Mm. So, yeah, I have um, friends who outsource all of their retouching. They don't do any of their retouching themselves. And for so long, I, I used to think to myself, how, how can you say the work is yours if someone else is retouching it? But it's, you know, it's a completely different skill set. Yeah. And, I um, hate retouching. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be in the mood for it. Sometimes I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I have no patience for it. <laughs> no, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So um, your job is a photographer. Yeah. And if you do the retouching, that's great. But um, there's really no shame in outsourcing your retouching mm -hmm. if that's what you choose to do. Cool. What kind of tools do you kind of use on a daily basis that help you run your business? It's pretty basic, if I'm honest. That's fine. <laughs> uh, my email account. Yeah. I have, oh, I have a spreadsheet of um, all of the, uh, with different tabs on it. So one is for agencies, one's for brands and one's for magazines. And I sort of, so it's basically like bikini lists. I yeah. try that up to date yeah um the contacts uh that are sort of the commissioning editors there or the art buyers at the agencies and their email address but I also make a note of the last time that I emailed them mm -hmm. and uh also if they responded and what their response was so that's something that I use but it is really time consuming and you're really making a case now for <laughs> using one of these agency lists so I'm not looking into that really soon you say that but I do exactly the same thing I have as well as having like the now new agency access I've had it for a week it's really new <laughs> um okay. but I also have the same thing I have like a numbers spreadsheet where I have you know different numbers spreadsheets for different people at magazines um agencies actual people at brands all the different things and I just exactly the same as you write down the email address of the person what position they run in at the company or the brand um and when I last spoke to them and what was said yeah and that just helps you stay on t in in touch of what you're actually doing 
Yeah. And if you're having a really uninspired day and you're thinking, I need to hustle up some business, but I don't really know where to start, yeah. I find that spreadsheet is a great place to go back to. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't spoken to that person in six months. Like, exactly. I need to get in touch with that person because who knows what's going on six months later. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of not being in touch with people for, you know, six months at a time, another great tool that I use is MailChimp for my monthly newsletter. And that's actually one of my best tips, I think, for photographers is a newsletter is a really light touch way of keeping in contact with all of your network. Mm-hmm. They can see what you've been up to without you sending them an individual email saying, oh, this is what I've been up to. Um, and I find I get a lot of work through that. People will Amazing. be like, oh, I haven't seen you for ages. I loved that shoot that you recently did. We're looking to do something similar. Cool. So and also um, for anyone who doesn't use MailChimp, it's really amazing because you can see who um, has opened your email, how many times they've opened it, the percentage of people that opened it. And you can send it at different times of day, see Mm -hmm. what's sort of the most effective time of day to send it out. That's a really useful. And how do you get people on your list? Because um, with GDPR now, we can't just sign people up. So how do you get them to (laughs) how do you get them to sign up to your list? Fuming. people want to keep their data private (laughs) how dare they Uh, well I have a section on my website on my contact page where people can sign up to it but I've just started whenever I meet a new contact or um someone who isn't on my mailing list I just ask them can I add you to my mailing list so uh yeah it's a little bit more laborious and my list isn't growing quite as fast as it used to (laughs) that's okay that's that's just a good thing to mention I think is that sadly we do have to check and have permission (laughs) from the person that they can be on the list in fact I think they have to sign up themselves I don't think we can sign them up anymore ourselves which is so annoying but Mm. yeah a mailing list is an incredible way to stay in touch do you do only ever any like direct mail um, do you mean like sending out uh, postcards. postcards or yeah. whatever? No, I haven't done that yet. And it's been something that's been on my to-do list for a few years now. But I, yeah, no, I haven't done that yet. But I, I think it's a really, really good idea. Yeah, that's cool. That's something do you do I'm, it? No, I haven't yet. But like you, I'm thinking about doing it. So I will be possibly looking into doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let me check my questions because I've got a few more. Um, what would you say to a photographer who's just starting out? I would say that it is a really competitive, really tough industry. So you need to be absolutely relentless to have any success at all. So don't be put off by the amount of no's that you get mm-hmm. or the lack of response to emails that you get. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make it. it. It's just a, a waiting game. You really need to deploy a lot of patience. And that's the only reason you know I've had success in the industry is because I have been prepared to wait it out I emailed company magazine which aren't in print any longer but I emailed them for two years yeah I miss them too and they were so lovely to shoot for I emailed them for two years before anyone got back to me and I would just sort of email them every few months with a little portfolio update uh, on what I'd been up to and just reiterate my interest in working with them and they never got back to me. And who would you email? So I had a friend 
of a friend who knew someone again through the amazing power of the network because uh, you don't know who your friends sort of have contacts with uh, and she did an email introduction for us uh, and they never got back to that and then I just had their email address it was one of the editors there and yeah I just emailed them portfolio stuff every uh, few months and then one day they responded to me within five minutes said actually great that you're in touch and um, because we're looking for someone uh, can you do a shoot this weekend that is exactly so, how it goes isn't it yeah that's exactly how it goes and I've just started shooting for stylist magazine which I'm wow. so excited amazing about. um but I emailed them for years and years and years and then they contacted me a few months ago and asked me to do a shoot for them and I actually I asked how they you know got in touch with me because it wasn't the person I'd been emailing me Mm -hmm. that commissioned me and she said that she had seen me um give a talk uh, about a year previously and that she'd just been watching my work since then so you really really just need patience things they do take time yeah but the longer you wait it out the more competition that sort of falls away yeah so because not everyone is prepared to endure how difficult it is so um if you are prepared to just put in the work and be patient uh you'll find there is less competition the further along you go i find that as well it's really cool um and i think i'm just going to end on where can everyone find you and kind of keep up with you and your work because i know that you share a lot online and you're really social and you like really i love your behind the scenes of all your shoots oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) well my website is hollymcglin.com and my instagram handle is Photographer. Amazing, and I and will... yeah, I post lots of behind the scenes and mm-hmm. stuff, which I think people really like. Actually, they're like yeah. a little nosy on what's going on on a photo shoot. They love it, absolutely love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm just, and I'm, I know what yeah. it's like, and I'm like, oh, it's so cool to see. Yeah, and then you can see other photographers' sort of lighting setups and things like that. Yeah, um, really, really good. And actually, I think because uh, stories didn't exist when I was starting out, but the first time I went on a photo shoot by myself, I was so nervous because I didn't really know what to expect or how the day was going to go. So uh, I think it's easier now because you can kind of get a sense even from Instagram what uh, a day in the life of a photo shoot is like. Yeah, and it's not as glam as people think. No, it's not. I'm always like, it's not as glamorous as you think, I promise. No, I'm just getting really dusty and I'm hungry because we need to finish this shot before I can eat my lunch. (laughs) But it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) But it's not glamorous. No, it's not. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting. It's been amazing. It's been great. It's been really uh, interesting for me as well to hear your experiences. Cool. Amazing. And I will be sure that I'll include all the links to everything in like the show notes and in the blog post. And so everyone can come and find you and follow you and look at your amazing work. Oh, thank you. All <laughs> Lovely. right. I'll speak to you soon. Soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of It Starts With A Click. If you enjoyed it, please come and let me know over on Instagram at Olivia Bossett. That's my handle. If you'd like to learn more about fashion photography in general, then head over to my website. It's www.oliviabossert.com. I blog weekly all about fashion photography, and I also have a huge free resource library, which is full of free downloads. Downloads include a pitching email course, which is a five-part free email course, 
um, all about pitching. There's an ebook which is all about using Instagram and Pinterest to market your business. And there's even an email template file of how to pitch yourself word for word. It's the email I use when I pitch myself to brands. So go and get that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. And make sure that you don't miss future episodes because they're going to be amazing. I will see you next week. Bye.